Welcome to part two of Making a Mentor with Cavellia. If you've not seen number one, please check that out first. And if not, please enjoy the episode. I wonder if we could talk about the, the gigs as well. Like, which one of you runs the social media and stuff? Oh, it's a mess of all. Yeah. Whoever's I do most Instagram yeah. kind of stuff. Okay. And the rest is whoever's awake at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool, those effects. Usually it is just one person, yeah. but if you're all quite active, that's cool. And in terms of like how you get your gigs, like Dave, for example, you, you play with Dave. Yeah. How did you like get into contact with him? How did you build that relationship? I mean, I, I knew Dave from my, la- my last band, but to do it, f- if we were a new band coming in, how we did it, you just meet. I think in my last band, my first gig, there was a promoter for the old courts in Wigan. She was just outside having a sig, and it was on a night out. And my old guitarist just walked, was chatting about the band to someone at Showbread. I was like, oh, we can put you on here if you want. Right time, right like place. Random, right time, right place. But there's nothing stopping you for all these pages that promote gigs, just message them. Like, yeah. one, and then once you get one, they're going to tell others. Like, Dave from Sounds of the Street told Ian from Soft Lab Promotions. And then we got the Pentatonic was messaging us after Sounds from the Street. It's like, it just snowballs because you mean as much to them as they mean to you because yeah. their job's a promoter. They need bands. Like, yeah. You're doing them a favour, they're doing you a favour. Especially like Dave. Dave, Dave is the probably one of the best promoters I've ever met because he, he sorts out the bands. He makes sure you all get paid a fair wage. Like He only covers his overheads, which is like pieces of paper, posters and ad placement. It's nothing. And he gives the rest of the bands, he puts pizzas on, he fills the fridge full of beers and water. Like He... Genuinely, if you find someone like Dave and you're same with him, he'll be same with you. Yeah. And uh, he'll pass you on to higher up people or people who you can just get you out, out of your own town. Yeah, I guess uh, that was uh, one of our questions. You kind of answered it there was like, what what does a good promoter look like? But I guess, seeing as you've answered it, have you had any experiences with promoters that you won't say? We won't say any names, but like, definitely had the opposite, yeah. Yeah, like, what, what, what was it that they did that? That, that I rubbed you the wrong way. There was one where we, um, I think it was about half an hour before we went home, we still on the sound check, no line check, no nothing. Oh, shit. After being told we'd have yeah, one. Yeah, being told we'd have one. This was after there was no beers in the fridge and nothing, which, yeah, fair enough. But you can't expect it, don't you? You're doing a gig Friday night, and then, um, <laughs> so we all got on, we all got on. <laughs> that hurt you the most. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have Stephen on your face on that. It's a Friday night. So about half an hour before we went, we all started getting on stage, like getting our guitars ready. Some guy came around and, Oh, they're doing like a, a murder mystery thing upstairs, you can't sound check. Oh, yeah, I know which gig you're on yeah. right now. Oh, so yeah, I ended up was... not sound checking at all, and like, I think I ended up playing, then I just started pissing off. No, it was off. Lewis. Yeah. So there was like some fucking play on upstairs. Uh, and they, they were like, it was meant to finish at seven, we was on it, uh, doors opened at half seven, and we was on at eight. So we was like trying to sound check at like 20 past seven, and the sound engineer's going, listen, I keep trying, I keep telling them, they need to wrap it up so we can sound check. And he's like, they're not listening, they're not listening. And I think he got to like quarter to eight and we still hadn't even just lined. We were just going to play one song and let him mix as we just went throughout the entire song and then prayed that he could mix us throughout the rest of the gig. And then uh, our drummer just started fucking doing one of the best drum solos I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he just went absolutely sick and then the guy just went, fuck it, let's just fucking sound check. And then we did. And then we just saw everyone coming out from upstairs, so it must have worked. Yeah. So, seeing for kick everybody out. The only per- the only people that that's going to affect, though, is you guys, really. Just, like, from the sound tech yeah. guy, he's, he's going to be able to get all of his stuff yeah. together with you, and then oh, yeah. the rest of the band's going to sound better. But, oh, it's a shame, that, man. No, but we've had other 
we've, we've had other like promoters who treat you like cattle like you're not helping each other out it's like it's like you you're annoying them <laughs> by yeah. doing the gig by being yeah. a band. It's, it's like oh, I need message them and ask them what time loading time is but I've already asked them once and da 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 and like right you're on this time it's like yeah, I'm sorry if I asked you again but we've still not been paid and it's been so it's like yeah yeah sorry yeah it's, get, it's getting sorted and it's like you know what I mean some some gigs it's like a tenner in petrol then you get food and then you get drinks and then you've like by the end of it it's fucking it's all the time you put in in practice and then you turn up and you get paid a fiver yeah. Or like they give you a drinks token for two drinks. And it's oh, like, that's the worst one. drinks token. Yeah. 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 No way. Getting paid in publicity is the worst one. Oh, when no. fucking yeah. it, it's John and Tony who's been in all week and they just sat at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is brilliant publicity. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about pay-to-play though, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Just because you have, he has a vendetta against pay-to-play. I just wondered if you've ever done a pay-to-play game. Pay-to-play is like, it's where they come to you and say you need to sell X amount of tickets. Oh, yeah, they're fucked, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't, then you have to still get the money back. So it's them covering themselves for it, but... Oh, so like, you have to sell 20 tickets. If you sell 15, you have to pay the extra five. Yeah, yeah, you have we've to put really it off. We've, we've never had it to that extent, but that can get fucked. Because they're quite common, yeah. like... I thought it was kind of like a bit of a rogue but I mean like a couple of our mates in bands like fell across these things and did them and all this and I think if you're a young band maybe you might think 20 tickets fuck it and I suppose I think it's interesting to kind of highlight that that is bollocks yeah no it fully <laughs> is I mean, it fully I mean is. if it's like a low number and you can cover it yeah but like some I mean you can get people asking can you sell 100 tickets it's like I have 15 <laughs> 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 And they've all been watching me for two years. And they've all come once, and they're all my mates, and they're not going to come and listen to me sing the same five songs that I sang at the last week. <laughs> so, probably not, mate, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Because that's the thing as well, as much as your mates love you, they'll come to your gigs, but at a certain point, they will draw the line, because, I mean, what, you'll have the same set list for, like, two, three gigs, and you might change two songs out. Mm. So it's not the... The exact same, but it's still like the excitement of it dies a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, they, they come in and like, oh, I'd off, say off, only expect your mate, only expect your mates to come to you like your big ones, because fucking you can't just be carried by your mates forever. Yeah, it's yeah, awful to, to say, but fucking you can't expect that of them. What time do you guys dedicate in towards like marketing and social media? Uh, do you put much? Not yeah, really. No. Um, I think we have done a bit more recently. We've tried to kind of make the Instagram look a bit, make all a bit more cohesive between all the platforms. But in the first place, we were just shit posting. Yeah. We were just like putting drunk videos on and like making well, daft TikToks and stuff. And but that's. Do you kind feel of, like that's what people go to Instagram for? Though? Yeah, they yeah. Hate do you think it is? Do they don't want to see that personal side? Because we're struggling from. We we would at first trying to be very professional about everything, and we were trying to you know, um, sort of look like a proper brand. And what we started to realise is actually everything that kicks off on TikTok is us pissing around in the studio. Well, look at Ryan O. Ryan O's got TikTok oh. of the plane saying "fuck off" yeah. and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like that thing I said. That, that it's literally since I think like the first one to majorly do it was that guy who made a fake Wendy's account on Twitter and went viral, and then Wendy's just went fucking run out of Twitter yeah. and then after that it's like every brand's trying to do it like you always see like Slim Jims or commenting on the Lab Bible and stuff like that and just that's the way every brand's going just piss take yeah. like you've got an audience yeah exactly 100%, especially TikTok but then you find yourself falling into like I don't want to do any of the bullshit TikToks I'll make TikToks that are my personality but like 
you see these voiceover recording ones, it's like, this is our day in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones I hate. Like, the yeah, they are the fucking worst. But like, if you can My make... manager said, don't put this out, but yeah. I'm going to leak it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to leak it yeah. to be 12, mate. I'm going to leak it, and the entire marketing team stood on the other side of the camera. Like, yeah. yeah, go on, leak it, leak it. Fucking, oh, honestly, it's like, you. but like, you find yourself falling, like, you think, do I need to do that? Do I need to do this shit video? I was like, like that girl who did that A B C D E F U tune, yeah. she was like, her entire TikTok premise was a marketing scheme, and it was like she posted like, like loads of artists do, and like we know people who do, they're just jamming in the room, and like, oh, I had these lyrics come to me today, and they'll post a little video just of the lyrics, and I see them all the time, and fucking some something you see a fucking god awful like I was a whisper in the wind, <laughs> fuck off, but um. Some her thing was people would comment, oh, can you write a song about this? And one of them was, can you write a song using the alphabet? But people went onto that person's profile, went onto that Instagram link to the profile, and it was her marketing team, someone off her record label's marketing team. No, so it was all in the comments. Or leaving the comments, it was all a big setup. No so it was like, yeah, oh yeah, I can write a song using the alphabet. A, B, C, G, F, U. And he's like, oh my God, that's unreal. It's like, yeah, that's been fucking... But that's what you've got to look out for as well. Like, there's all these artists, and oh my god, they got viral. They just, they just went viral and made it. It's like, no, they've been fucking like raised in a lab, like to yeah, be yeah. to be this thing. Like they've got an entire team writing songs for them and all this shit. And it's like, yeah, oh my yeah. god, they were just no one from a small town. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, they've been fucking cloned. I'm telling you, it's mad. The, the amount of artists they've practiced on like that marketing team as well that have just sunk yeah. and failed. Yeah. And finally, go. Do you know what? Yeah, we found the formula. We'll stick it with you. Exactly. Well, you see how much how much they've changed and what they spend. I remember, like, um, I forgot her name now, I'm doing a podcast, damn it. But the um, woman who's the head of A&R for Warner talking about how the first round, they'll spend 70% of the money that they get for an artist on TikTok with no want of engagement. So they'll do it just to get you seen. Mm. Like, 70% of the money mm. yeah. that a label has for you, they just chuck on yeah. TikTok and don't even want you Fucking, to get... I, I, I think mean, it's really noticeable now as well, especially, like, yeah. like wet leg, they kind of... Came out of nowhere. Well, they, I, I, I like them and they're pretty good. But I like TikTok. Like, it just saturated. We went like for a while, wasn't it? You've just little clips of their music videos and. I'm pretty sure they're an industry plant. They're killed quite of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have picked nowhere. They have that kind of power, I suppose, don't they? To pick who. Well, not to pick, but at least to know when. when I mean, you can have, you can have breakthrough moments and stuff like that. Like Laddams, they just came out of the fucking. They've came out of nowhere. I was doing gigs with them in my last band to rooms with three people in them. Like, and they were opening for us and then like the week after they was like you fucking signed with who? <laughs> like that's that can't happen but a lot of people are doing this fucking like TikTok route and following the crowd route and I don't know do it if you want to do it it might work for you but I that, think people uh, do follow the numbers though quite heavily though after yeah. that don't they and if something if they don't blow up out of nowhere they they always feels like they failed and that's the only I mean the biggest go. video on our TikTok is our is our mate on his way to Malia and his boarding pass is printed on like paper the size of this wall <laughs> 16 times bigger than A4 than it should be that's what they, they printed his boarding pass out our bass player printed his boarding pass out 16 times bigger no and that's got 1.1 million views <laughs> over 100,000 likes and then the next TikTok is us getting a noise complaint uh, <laughs> with like 100 likes <laughs> like this is the 
if you look at some of these most like when you're scrolling through and like the, it's like 2.2 million likes and then you just go on the profile and it's like the next one down is 3,000 it's mm-hmm. like alright you've got a bit of traction but this one's just fucking blown up yeah that's what it is it can just be hit or miss like it's yeah. so it's so ruthless I had a post as well that I did want to get up and I realised I'm using my phone to I was just going to say should I get it up yeah, on mine yeah, so there's, there's an Instagram post we found and we were going to ask you at that first gig but we oh, basically shit. we're ripping straight off hot ones we just want you to explain what's going on in it oh, because shit. it's it is kind I of I know the one it's not that it's right up at the top. This could be fucking anything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. I'm sure it's fair. It's dead, dead quick. It's oh. just this. Oh, that was after it's our gig. I think that was after that gig. <laughs> <laughs> that was that gig, wasn't it? There's a look right at the end of it as well. That's where I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's, it's you in terms of. We went from Bully to there. Do you know what? I don't think that was even after a gig. It's just. It's that club in Wigan. It's got our song on. That was weird. You talked about like before when you said about the first time someone like is an actual fan and it's not a friend or family yeah. member. We, <laughs> we that was after a gig. That that is the gig. The next photo in that post is the gig of that night because I'm wearing the same top. Mm. Uh, we finished the gig and it was sick. Like it was, it was. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember being buzzing. And we went into Independence well early. Like normally it starts filling up at like at one. I think we went in at like. 11 and as soon as we walked in Dean the DJ is playing our tune as, literally as we walked through the door it was like a fucking fever dream I was like what the fuck <laughs> and then as, he's, as we're at the bar getting a drink we turn and I, that's Cobb he's like he's been to every gig like there's yeah Cobb. when he said no one wants to go again he does yeah he does <laughs> there's two lads uh, that night with nicknames oh, there's yeah. a bet between Nick and Cobb who's gonna miss the first gig for us, they've literally been to every single one, and uh, that's just him pissed after the gig. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as well because we'll put it on the screen and it'll just be like this. It's one of the most contactless videos. <laughs> to be honest, like, like, so we're glad we've got some context now. That was, uh, yeah, I actually didn't think about that. I thought that the song was in the background was the context. I don't think, I didn't realise people don't have a sound on it's just cold, dry, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even finish. So, as that's going on, as he's dry humping that pillar, there's a fella talking to Dean saying, Who is this? Who's this band playing? And God, like, yeah. he's lads kid, he, he just like I saw him point to me and I was just like, Oh you're right, pal. And I saw these like massive fucking fellas walking at me. I was like, I'm gonna get fucking filled in here. And he was just like, Is this your band? I was like, Yeah, yeah. He's like, Oh mate, you're fucking sick, it's a bit different, isn't it? I was like, Yeah, yeah, cheers, nice one. Oh, no, but then you have that dead awkward conversation where you're like, nice one, and then you're like, what now? <laughs> Follow me on Instagram, please. Stream me now, get your phone up. You can pay Danny and Kans are fucking stellar. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was upset when they were. <laughs> <laughs> Where's we paid? He's, just, yeah. he's yeah. just after a beer sponsorship. That's all he wants. So thanks. I feel like we're kind of coming to an end. So I suppose the last thing that I, I, I think we're both kind of interested in and being as honest as you can is what would you say your kind of highs and lows with, your, with the band? You know, kind of your big what I felt like your kind of successes or the things you've took pride in and then what are the times where you've maybe thought can we even keep doing this like this is hard or if there has been any I think the gigs like kind of work both ways for them because they've been since that highest highs I've had but also the fucking the faff that you do for it and the yeah. getting four people in the same room a couple of times a week is like it's hard work in it yeah it can be a pain and, in the ass and getting there lugging your gear sorting gear out like the amount of shit I've broken in the last six months just from doing these gigs and the amount of money you fucking spend yeah. as well getting prepped like I had no pedals before we started gigging 
and we had all these effects on all our tunes and I was like Fuck. so I just went to PMT and I just went fucking build me a pedal board I just went around going that one that one that one that one and then cried as I fucking fed <laughs> and then could you not run it through your software? I was thinking. That's what I was because I worked you, you out. You could do, but then well. you're praying on a laptop. You've got to have one person running a laptop. You know what logic's like? Like we both know you can be recording the best vocal take of your life, and it just goes. <clears throat> Sorry, it's crashed. And like, <laughs> so if that was to happen at a gig, I think I'd full meltdown and just leave the venue. But I would delve into backing tracks at the minute. Yeah. As well, that's what I was going to say is that what, what I've, I'm kind of in a similar position where some of the stuff I don't think I could recreate live because of what I've done in production and just play it back and try so that's what I mean I was I was looking and going to gigs and I was looking to see yeah. what people were doing that I yeah. know are like pretty yeah. heavily produced and I think they are playing into a backing track yeah. like you just said like have your Mac on you don't need a Mac on stage you can get like an app I can't remember what it's called. You can get an app on your phone, an aux, your phone into the PA system, and it literally, you can input MP3s into it. Oh, so you just put your stems in? You can literally just put, get your backing track sorted, so three minute file, number one, number two, and you just press play. And it's, yeah, as long as you, is, as a, yeah, yeah, you can't give your drummer a click though, and that's why I've just bought that click. I mean, that's not too hard. I mean, like, my mate's very old band, Lion Road, he used to play, because like, overheads don't look cool on stage but he used to play with like fucking cans on his ears obviously clicking them the track it, it does sound good and it, it'll make you sound more professional like having them tracks because if you if you very track heavy like some of our songs then you, you're a bit fucked yeah. you're going to sound like you're playing it, it was, I think I remember, I remember talking to, to um, Pink Shirts Girl people if you know them they're another band from Wigan they're like a sick band we've done a song with them you know about yeah. All I Can Take All I Can Take is that's yeah, yeah, and they, they use a lot of backing tracks and they're really good with it but like uh, they always say it goes down and you can't play it without and it's not a good enough song mm. so do you think you would do you think you'll bring it in or something oh 100 percent, yeah but we definitely uh, like, all get in and ears and mm. yeah so we all we'd all need in it because like it's, it always comes down to money like, like we've got jobs and we've had jobs and shit like that but you're always spending money like it's like do you buy a shit pair of ears for nine quid and then have to buy another pair in yeah. two months because yeah. someone stepped just, someone yeah. stepped on your bag at the, at the gig or do you spend a like 80 quid but then you've got a pair and no one else in the fucking band has a pair I'd say if people are looking to do backing tracks if you're a solo artist sound you just sort yourself out buzzing you can you don't need wireless transmitters or all that shit you can just run it straight to the audio engineer if you want um, or if you're a band just sort your drummer out and pray to god that he can play to a metronome because yeah. if you can't then you're fucked <laughs> <laughs> um, you know so but I think yeah. that kind of ties us nicely onto our, our last point, I suppose, which is why do you both do it? You know, you, we, I mean, you're yeah, kind of like, because you both work, you both have a passion, like, what keeps you in the game? It's fun. It's just fun. That's the main thing, like That's why you yeah. start to do it, and if it stops being fun, then... It's always been, it's always been music, like... I've always wanted to play guitar, because my uncle plays, well, quite a few people in my family have played guitar and stuff like that, and I've always thought guitar was sick, like... First time, like, Arctic Monkeys were the reason I started playing guitar. Uh, when I first saw, I bet you look good on the dance floor on fucking MTV or whatever it was when I was a kid. That no. handheld. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the studio yeah. thing when there was a whatever uh, was it the British Arts fucking. But when you just don't believe the eye. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. Don't believe the eye. I'm shit. Because that was just like a uni project. That that weren't even the fucking. That was just like I'm sure it was just like a uni project for either them or the mates. <laughs> and um. 
it blew up. Like I remember watching a thing and they was in the studio watching the video at number one, actually recording the song to make, to actually release the song because it wasn't even released, it was just that video. And um, as soon as I saw that fucking, like the energy and stuff for that guitar, I was like, fuck me, that's exactly what I want to do. Mm. So since then really, and then it was like, well, how do I make a song? And then I only found out what like music technology was in year 11 when I was doing my college options. I was like, fuck it, I'll do that, thinking I was Dr. Dre. <laughs> and I did that and I was like, I think at the last week of finishing college, it was like, do you want to go to uni? I was like, I've never thought about uni. Like, what do you like doing? I was like, well, I've done music tech for two years. I fucking love doing that. I like, do an audio engineering degree then. So, I didn't even think of it, honestly. Um, I kind of did the opposite. I'd never even touched music in school and then I went to uni. So. I was fucking, I was shit at everything. Like, music tech I was good at because it was the fun side of it, but like, mm. Music theory, I think I fucking clawed through music in high school by the skin of my teeth. Like, yeah, I don't I'm know. Shit how I've got at theory, like, I'm not a fan of it. I enjoy it though, I enjoy it weirdly. I enjoy it. Even though I'm shit yeah, at it. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is for me, because I'll be playing something and I'll yeah. want to know that what I'm yeah, playing yeah. is an A flat major nine, yeah. even though it doesn't mean anything. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fucking A flat. Keyboard. Um, yeah, yeah, I started piano. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Well, I think when the truth is, you look at it and you yeah. think this is super intimidating, fuck's sake. <laughs> and then you realise that actually it's just one octave. Yeah. And you it. can kind of say, all right, that's and and to be honest, a lot of it was like writing a tune from my ear and being like, this is not in key. This yeah. is not in what my music yeah, teacher yeah. told me is in key. I mean, yeah. Having to work it out and be like, that's cool. You can actually do a lot this. of um, like dance music producers and stuff like that I found especially people I went to like university with and stuff like that they've not got a fucking clue like I think in college I started realising shit I need to learn a bit here like if I'm playing a C I need to know what's the next thing from a C like that makes sense rather than sitting there going through every single card and being like alright okay that one works but where I've seen like DJs and stuff people like that who produce dance music they just go with the feel mm-hmm. like when they're playing a melody they're just like dum doodle dum alright that's right dum doodle dum okay so that's it I know what you mean and then they'll just that's I think you do both come from a right inside though innit so like, I think when you've wrote songs yeah. and produced songs first and then you come into theory from that yeah. you're never quite the person who like knows what all the scales are but doesn't have feeling I feel like you've mean... always come from feeling yeah. I think that's the main thing, you know, like, you can spend all day working out if it's in EMIX leading or whatever, but at the end of the day, music's motion in it, and if yeah, it makes yeah, you feel a certain way, then you've done it right, so. I think that's why pop chords seem to come around so well. Yeah. I heard somebody say it the other day, and I backed it, and they were like, look, you can say that I've done CA minor, F and G, but I've made you connect to it. There's something about those chords that... All, the resolution. Yeah, or there's something about it that yeah. connects people, and I, I suppose I do have to agree with that, maybe, on some level, that that... Yeah that there is something in it I mean I'm, I'm I, I fucking hate jazz with a passion but there is a kind of sense of jazz in our music where some people stick to a, a scale mm-hmm. I'm not leaving the scale but sometimes like, even sometimes you fucking sit on your keyboard and you go fuck was that and you, is it in key is it not mm-hmm. it fucking sounds right so mm-hmm. it's going in tune like that I tend to do that a lot more than sitting there I'll figure out my key uh, sometimes I've even taped it up like so I know I can't fall off and sometimes you do and it's like fucking hell that sounded nice that mm. was just cobblers you're running to really weren't like every sort of riff I ever wrote or saw I improvised it and then when we actually came to perform it like oh, what the fuck did we do then 
we had to spend weeks <laughs> trying to work out what we'd actually wrote. Yeah, yeah, literally from listening yeah. back to my old EP. Go go now, Glenn just reminded me of what the hell are those notes? Yeah. Like having to go and listen to it by ear, and you've put loads of compression and reverb on it, and you're like, I don't yeah. know what, what we, I uh, did at all. It's like seasons, I still don't always play the riff that's on Spotify, so I don't even yeah. play the riff. That's the stuff. We was playing a gig, and it was fucking, it was a good gig, but it was a hot and sweaty gig. Like, and, awesome. and, no, the indie one, and everyone was fucking, um, it was, oh, oh shit, it was dude. a main gig, but then we got to Seasons, the song he's on about, and he, he I'd had a drink, yeah, we'd had, <laughs> we'd had a drink, and we'd had a good time for the gig. So that was the Cavellia episode. Um, I've got a few points I do want to bring up, um, Gaz, that me. you've run into yourself. So there were two, two things they, they brought up. One of them was distribution. So using Ditto, mm. um, you obviously experienced uh, a release recently, which also fell into some problems. I felt like you connected a lot with um, the experience they had trying to get their music out. Mm. I wondered, like, is there anything that you felt like you'd learned from what they went through? Uh, or have you solved any of your problems from that since? So I suppose one thing that I did learn from specifically what they said about Ditto is they kind of said don't treat your release date like it's a release date Mm -hmm. and I think obviously the ideal is that you do want to do that but I suppose what it means for someone who's maybe not used to this process is if you've got a song and you're like dead excited to put it out and Ditto give you a they say confirmed for a date yeah or any other distribution platform I imagine it has similar things say you then Say you then do loads of marketing around that. You tell all your friends and your nan or whatever and everyone gets dead excited. Start getting put, putting posts out there and everything. There's the very good chance that one of those things could it could bounce back yeah. for whatever reason. One of them being there's a bit of audio at the beginning. One of them being, it like in our case, it was attached to the wrong name of that profile. Yeah. And there's not a lot you can do about that because you know, you're paying for quite a cheap service and they've taken a lot of submissions all the time. I imagine they've got a very busy... You know, like chat, you know what they call them, like where you contact them. It's yeah, busy. like their contact support. I guess mm. one yeah, good... their customer support is probably very busy and they're all so different. So, you know, I think you need to be aware of that if you're going in and getting excited and you filled in the form. Yeah, that doesn't you need to just be aware. The... Do you know what I mean? It's not always going to be. One, one good thing they did say, though, is that um, after that first experience that they had, they still can continue to release through Ditto and mm. never run into those problems again. So I think it's True. just one of those of going through it the first time. You, you know, you make those mistakes once and then... Yeah, you, you and be aware of it, it if you're going to do it. You know, make sure that there is no things. Make sure you have mm. a good read because Cavellia said in it, didn't they, that they didn't have a good read through the guidelines and they just kept throwing stuff out. Have a good read through the guidelines. Yeah. Save yourself the time and effort. And they actually, they they paid for the, the charts bit as well, didn't they? So they mentioned that you can, um, you pay your yearly membership. But oh, to get it to the charts, they, I think it was like £20 per release. But every time it got cancelled, um, but uh, they they still got that money taken from them, so they still had to reinvest every time. Got you, into it. got you. Um, but obviously, that's obviously whether you want to put the money in to try and to do that. In the first, I didn't even know that Ditto had that capability. Yeah, it's the same cool. with t- you pay a separate fee, or, or it's included in some packages to get it as a TikTok sound as well. Yeah, so you can have those options. And I guess uh, the other topic that were that they touched on was um, their live performances. So you, for example, the music that you've got mm. is very much um, it's very much 
what's the word now, produce like uh, production heavy. Yeah. And to replicate that into live is going to be quite a task. And it's kind of something they touched on where, you know, they were talking about when they build a song in the studio, they don't particularly think, how am I going to go and translate this over to live? Um, and we got, got talking about backing tracks. And we got talking yeah. about... Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more popular, you know. And hmm. um, the more people I see live, the more they use elements of their production in backing tracks. I kind of used to be a little bit of a like... But I think things have changed, you know what I mean? You can... You, you, you're paying for a different experience than you were back in the day. You know, back in the day, it was you were playing an instrument to people. And I think it's changed now. I think you're seeing an act. I think as well, the depth the, 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 the depth and detail you get from listening to your song, to that song in headphones, it's the artist wants to bring that to life. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to just come and bring what is basically four instruments stripped of all that atmosphere that you yeah, take, and take the time Yeah, and take creating. a band like Glass Animals, who are production-heavy, and then when they do live, they choose to not rely heavily on backing tracks. Mm. They choose to reinvent the songs. That's good for some people. I think it works better if you've got more cash. Yeah, you true. can do. You can say, "Oh, let's have bongos for the bongos bit." Let's. Yeah. You can jump. Where is it? Like, I feel like what's great now is you can make a great piece of production really cheap, and you can go out and do that with just a piano. Yeah. You, if you make your own drums and you loop them on something, you can basically do that event. But I suppose in their case, it's even better because you've got a full band on there. As long as you can all get a click, you can have synths, elements of production that are coming in that you're all just playing to. Yeah. But if you're not going to get an opportunity to sound check, it's going to cause problems. You need to be able to back that up. Yeah, they actually touched on that, didn't mm. they? Because they, they, um, they had a gig where they, they didn't have the time to, to sound check. Um, and everything was sort of... And had they had uh, a laptop with them and had they been relying on backing tracks, that whole set would have completely backfired. That would have mm. been, you know, uh, a really difficult one to sort of just pull off on the fly. Thanks for listening to the Cavelli episode. Who have we got next? So we've got Harvey coming on next. Our first non-musician. Yeah, he's a well, photographer. Well, non-music industry, I suppose, even though he has done lots of stuff in the music industry. Yeah, yeah. So Harvey's done Harvey's done a few music videos, but he's a, his, his main thing is photography. So he does um, adverts, he does music videos, videography, he does documentaries, a bunch of different things. So we're trying to branch out, um, not specifically just to stay within the realms of music, but anybody who sort of touches uh, an artist's career and... Um, how they interact with them. It's a really good episode, actually. We've got yeah, that. it's really interesting. And, you know, anyone anyone who, I think for us, anyone who has gone out and done a creative thing that they're passionate about against the odds and had some success of it and is willing to talk about it humbly is, is a great episode for us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, that'll be, what will that be, three weeks' time? Yeah, three weeks from, yeah, three weeks from when part two's been released. Yeah, great. So, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. Making <laughs> and then that like, every time that it starts, we then just can't help but be stupid. <laughs>